Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You're listening to Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome to episode number 250 of Linux in the Ham Shack. I'm the host, Russ, K5TUX. And Carol is oh yeah, well, <laughs> she's she's usually in the second spot. So I was just going to say she's not in the second spot, but Bill's here. I'm here. How you doing? Uh, this is Bill. Any four D. All right. So big episode of two hundred and fifty, which was going to be a much bigger episode, but <laughs> all of the guests couldn't actually make it tonight. So we're hoping that two hundred and fifty three will be that deep dive topic that we were planning to do today. So instead. We're going to do a deep dive topic on something else. That's right. Bill says we need to go, since we're 250 episodes in, we have to go back to our roots. We have to go back to not not only square one, but before square one and talk (laughs) about all the things you need, all the resources that are available for getting into electronics and amateur radio and all of the things that we talk about on the show. And we've, we've talked about all of these things or maybe close to all of these things over the last 249 episodes, but we're going to try and consolidate them into one jam-packed, resource-filled episode. So um, I don't know how we're going to kick this off, but I know you started the list, so um, (laughs) I'll I'll let you kind of drive for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we kind of wanted to get back to basics, and, uh, you know, this is a really, like you said, a real fitting episode to do it. You know, it's a nice, nice number, 250 episodes in. So, uh, so yeah, I, I propose that we, we kind of just, uh, dive into a few little topics here in the basics of amateur radio resources and where to find stuff, what you should have and stuff like that. And I kind of keyed it off with, uh, getting stuff done. Like the first one we're going to talk about is getting licensed. Now, a lot of you that listen to us are already licensed, <laughs> but, uh, the rest we do have of quite- you will be soon. That's right. And we get a lot of people that are actually not licensed uh, come into the chat room and come on IRC and chat with us and say they listen to us because they're, you know, Linux advocates or Linux users. And they, you know, always interested in getting into ham radio, but, you know, maybe never have taken that step. So uh, so we just tried to put together a list of places that you can go and find information on getting licensed. And uh, we got a list of four here so far. Uh, the big one, of course, is our good friend, Dan, KB6NU. Uh, he has a series of no-nonsense study guides over on his website, and it's a great resource for studying for your tests. Get that first test, technician, and general, and extra. Uh, Cheryl used them for what? The, the general or, or both the tech and the general? Uh, she, used, she used the KB6NU guide for the general. Yeah. Yeah. So, and she said it was really helpful. She, she thought it was a really well written and made sense to her. And, and, and I believe she passed it the first time. So, <laughs> she did. That's a, 
That's a pretty good success rate. That's a that's pretty good uh pretty good endorsement of uh Dan's product there. Um the next one is uh of course the NCVEC and this is where all the questions come from. This is actually where all the raw question pools are and over on their site you can just download them and print them out. You can make your own format, you can make your own flashcards, whatever you want to do. Uh it's kind of like the open source way of doing it, right? Just download it and figure a way to consume it yourself and uh it's a great place to to get all those questions and 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 get ahead in that information if you're that kind of test taker that can just read through all the information and you know absorb it that way <laughs> which would be the way i normally do it <laughs> that's the way um, i do it too i just go through it over and over again until i've memorized it basically that's right and uh what are these other two you put in here well, these are online sites that have all the information on them, including the question pools and uh, flashcard exercises and full ham exams. So you can actually test yourself online. We have hamexam.org and hamstudy.org, both of which do exactly the same thing. They just have slightly different interfaces and slightly different methods for, you know, going through the question pool, going through test exams. And then how they sort of coach you after you've, you know, either failed or passed. And basically they say that if you can go through these sites and eventually, pat, you know, get to your 80% um, like three times in a row, that you're more or less guaranteed to pass the test when you actually go and take it. So, <clears throat> yeah, you can take these study guides. For I mean, these are just a couple of the ones that I know about. There are probably a thousand others. Um, but they're just online web-based ones, uh, ways to take tests and get little tutorials and help. And, and I wanted to also mention, uh, amateurlogic.tv had a series called Ham College. I think it's a couple of years old now. Uh, but they, they actually did YouTube videos where they went through and sort of tutored you on the study pools or the question pools and the study guides and, and all that kind of thing too. So if you like things, uh, visual, and in video format, you could check that out too. And there, are, I think there were a couple of others I've seen on YouTube where uh, folks will kind of uh, Elmer you through uh, the testing guides. Uh, so, you know, YouTube search is also your friend. Google search your friend, of course. Um, but there's a few resources for, for actually getting down into the part where you study for and take your license test and become an amateur radio operator. Yeah. yeah. And I think they just did a ham college episode not too long ago. So I think they are kind of interleaving them in with their regular episodes and regular content. They're probably just not as uh, hot and heavy as they once were. I know when they first ramped that up on amateur logic TV, it was, uh, they did quite a few of them all in a row. And then they've been recently a little slower to get those out. But I think George and, uh, uh, Tommy are, are still getting that stuff together. I think they also have, they have a URL called ham college.tv, I think where I believe they just take the ones from Amateur Logic and put them all like in a single playlist so you can uh, weed out from their regular episodes and just go through the testing stuff. Yeah, yeah. And actually, they just released an episode yesterday, according to Ham College TV. <laughs> okay, so it's it's not a couple of years old. It's a couple of minutes old. I was, you know. Yes, yes. 24 hours, maybe max. <laughs> <laughs> so very good. Well, once you get your license... Um, we move on to these other topics, and the first one I, I put in here, not because it's the most important, it's just I happen to put it in first, is getting involved. 
And this is where you can find information on how to be involved in amateur radio. Uh, I first one I put there was the AWRL, and it's not not the fact that you should join the AWRL. It's just it's a great resource of information of stuff going on, you know, contests going on, clubs that you can find in your areas, special events that you can find in your areas. Um, well, there was one other one. Oh my God, what else was it? Contest clubs. Uh, there was another resource in there that well, is important. Well, they have lots of news. Um, they do have lots of news. Um, oh gosh, I'm I'm like brain fart for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I should have put it in my list. Wait, oh my god! What did you say room. so far? Clubs. Yeah, clubs. Uh, contests, special events, and licensing opportunities. Uh, oh. Hamfest, Hamfest, Hamfest. Yeah, yes, you, you, you can find Hamfest. I guess that would fall under special events as well. But special events, I'm thinking of, are more like special event call signs, like you know the one by ones and uh, you know <clears throat> Route 66 special event station and stuff like that. You can find all that there. But uh, you can find local Hamfest or Hamfests that you didn't know were local that are within driving distance. Um, they have an easy search uh, a search tool that you can go on and find things in your section which a section, of course, is your state uh, or possibly part of a state, you know, eastern Pennsylvania, western Pennsylvania, so on and so forth, or your section or division or whatever. <laughs> so you can find it just about anywhere. And it'll tell you if it's a uh, if it's a convention based like uh, like Hamvention's, uh, the ARRL's convention and stuff like that. Um, good. A lot of information there. Just just a lot of information you can find on that website. You don't have to be a member to get all that information out of there. I think the only thing you really need to be a member for is uh, the QST, the dig- digital versions of the QST. So, um, But other than that, great resource of information. Uh, the second one we have is uh, your country's radio advocacy group. So I guess that would be like the RSGB. Um, God, you know, a million others. If you're in a country that has a a national organization that, that runs your amateur radio, that is your advocate for amateur radio in your country, uh, that's a great resource of information. Uh, hopefully, they're just as good as the ARRL at, at getting you all that information of other stuff that's not necessarily, uh, you know, um, the program related, you know, like, you know, not specific ARRL content or not specific RSGB content, but a resource where people can go and find other information that's going on in the hobby itself. Uh, I, we touch on some of these when we get news stories from other countries like the one we did about Sweden and the one before that about Norway. And one thing we've determined is that some countries don't have these radio advocacy advocacy groups because they don't really seem to care about amateur radio. But for those that do, they're usually a good resource. And if they, if the country um, has a good program to foster amateur radio or to at least encourage amateur radio use they will probably have some sort of formal organization as a clearinghouse for information for that kind of thing you know here in the united states we have the arrl in great britain they have the rsgb and i know we've talked about some of the other ones like in south africa i think and uh, a few of the other ones around the world but you know every country is different so just uh, seek out yours and it should be a good resource for you yeah so moving on we also have groups that are uh, semi-affiliated with the arrl like the aries groups you know, amateur radio emergency services or service. They're normally affiliated with an AWR affiliated club. Um, you also have the Skywarn groups, uh, which uh, can be part of Aries. Generally, they are um, that basically do uh, weather emergencies or weather events, whether that be just spotting when uh, uh, severe uh, storm warnings or flash flood warnings or 
any any type of special weather event is going on, a lot of uh, Ares groups or Skywarn groups will activate from the uh, the National Weather Service office and will be spotters for the National Weather Service. You know, whether that's communicating via phone and calling in or, you know, texting pictures of funnel clouds or texting pictures of of uh, of uh, hail and stuff like that. Or, you know, contacting in and saying where you're at, giving your location and just giving a verbal report of uh, reportable weather events. And, of course, they have a complete list of that and stuff like that. Plus, they do a lot of community service. So if you're interested in getting involved in your local community, uh, the I know our Aries group does a lot of these uh, walkathons and um, bike races and everything else where they provide communication support for the nonprofit group that is generally running the event. So it helps them out with uh, having some extra hands on deck, being able to communicate when there's uh, something in the event going on, like let's say a medical emergency, somebody's on a on a half marathon or a marathon, and they you know stub a toe or something like that, and <laughs> need to get picked up. Uh, so yeah, those that's a great way to get involved. Also meet local hams in your community. Uh, you know if you've gone off to a ham fest and got your test taken and. You don't really know any of the local people, <laughs> you know, it's a great way to get involved and, and meet people. You don't necessarily have to join them or anything else, but you can at least uh, use that as a resource of getting involved uh, locally. And I will say about local clubs, sometimes you're, you're in an area where your local club does some really cool things. Like in back in my day, when I was uh, involved in my local club, I was up in Northern Maine, which 99% of the year, nothing happens there. but the amateur radio club was involved in the dog sled race that was held in Northern Maine. Now it's not the Iditarod, but it is a dog sled race and they provided communication for it. So you get to staff checkpoints and, you know, let people know um, when the sleds were coming through, if there were any accidents or medical emergencies that needed to be taken care of or just general logistics. And that's something that you really wouldn't ever have any reason or method to participate in unless you're involved in ham radio and part of the ham radio club that actually sponsor communication for that event. So there may be something that's really cool about your local club that you don't know about until you get involved. And if you happen to think that your, you know, your local club is just a bunch of uh, 70 something sitting around drinking coffee, then there's no better way to get in there and fix that then get a bunch of your younger buddies in there to infiltrate the club and show them what it means to be, you know, a young ham radio operator. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's, it's nice to go in and, and to just kind of shake things up a little bit. Uh, my first club I joined uh, was very similar. A lot of old guys, but there was uh, some middle-aged guys that were really active. And then they had me come in as a young whippersnapper and uh, <laughs> we had a lot of fun and, Heck, in two years, they made me president. And that was that was a real hoot. So <laughs> He ran right into the uh, ground, I'm sure. So. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It's very hard running a club and, you know, putting programs together and making it interesting at the meetings and, and stuff like that. I was big into contesting when I first started ham radio. And uh, that's really what drove me and my activity in the club was we did field day like we have listed here. Uh, we did, you know, the big contests, all the CQ worldwide contests and stuff like that. So that was my entry level into, uh, or entry into the hobby and my main interest. And, uh, that's what I did with my local club. And, uh, you know, trying to replicate that now is, is really hard to do. So, so I'm part of what's called an unclub club <laughs> where we have a bunch of amateurs here in the state of Montana that are all, 
all avid contesters of some sort, whether that be, uh, you know, one, one a year or two a year contester or like every contest contester. And, uh, so we all kind of participate and, and share stories and stuff like that on, on how we're doing in contests. And we just try to work each other because that's always fun trying to actually work everybody in Montana, which is, you know, pretty hard to do anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing we got listed here is getting involved is uh, youth programs, and this came up a lot this year with uh, the youngsters on the air uh, down there in South Africa. Uh, we talked a lot about that being a, a, a big program and, and pretty exciting event. Uh, School Club Week is another big event. It runs for a whole week. It's kind of like a contest or slash CUSO party um, where various uh, collegiate clubs and school, you know, uh, primary school and secondary school clubs We'll get on the air and, and participate and try to contact other school clubs and other amateurs that want to uh, talk to them. And another youth program we have that I also, you know, of course, put in here all the time is radio scouting because, uh, you know, Scouts BSA is uh, is pretty big into uh, amateur radio. They have programs specifically revolving around the radio merit badge and amateur radio. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a big activity for us. Every year they do a jamboree on the air, which you know, last year brought in over 1.3 million uh, participants, and uh, we're continuing to try to grow that. And uh, the more people that get involved in that help either just being on the radio and talking to scouts or, or you know, actually getting involved with a club that has a Jota activity or an activation or even activating uh, or coming out and helping uh, a local Cub, Cub Scout or Boy Scout group uh, uh, activate. And even Girl Scouts. Girl Scouts are getting on there now. Joda has a whole program specifically set up for uh, Girl Scouts and what they can earn from it uh, in their various ranks and stuff like that. So there's lots of uh, opportunities for you to get involved uh, with these various uh, youth organizations. And that's a big thing with uh, amateur radio. We always want to get the youth involved. And, you know, best place to do that is to go find them and put a radio in front of them. I also put in here to mention things like Field Day, which we already did, and national and worldwide QSO parties because... I don't think engagement necessarily comes from contesting, but QSO parties are kind of a different thing because it's kind of a contest and kind of a sort of get involved situation where you're trying to get as many people to contact each other as, as possible. Whereas in a typical contest, you're just trying to score points. Um, and the reason field day is important, even though it's more of a contest than a QSO party is that it's worldwide and everybody's doing it. So it engages in so many ways. And they make it they make it easy, I guess, to promote ham radio as a hobby because you get extra points in that contest for being on your local news and advertising and uh, you know talking with your representatives and bringing people in and having stuff set up on site for non amateurs to participate and things like that. So uh, all good resources for for getting involved and becoming part of the community or getting someone else to become a part of the community. Yep, and uh, along with uh, Field Day, uh, the ARRL, let's say uh, sponsor Field Day, you can go on there and actually find uh, people that have registered where their locations are for Field Day. You can actually go and find a Field Day location. If you're not aware of a local club doing it, you can find one nearby you and uh, go there and check it out and you know participate, maybe get on the air and get involved. <clears throat> I think about you. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay <laughs> I, I wanted to jump to don's comment in the chat room uh he says uh, lots of old guys in the club i'm in a few middle-aged guys a whole lot of talking but little of engagement would rather be shack or mcdonald's slots and that was 
that was how my club sort of was. And I know that a lot of other clubs that we've heard about are kind of the same way. But the best thing to do about that is to get young people involved and have them maybe move into some of the board or elected positions in those clubs. And they they can light some fires. I, I see it happening in my old club. And there's a lot more engagement and a lot more community interest from that. And I honestly think the older members will sort of take that up and become involved again. They just don't have the energy to take the initiative. But once someone else has taken the initiative, they're more than willing to participate. So I, I think that, you know, that we need to get the younger people in, get them engaged, make them part of the groups and have, have them take sort of the reins. And uh, there will be a great future for, for amateur radio. Yeah. Another thing you can do with those clubs is, uh, you know, show up, sit in the back of the room, <clears throat> you know, pull out your, your latest project that you're working on and tinker with it while they're all just yik yakking and chatting and see if you spark a little interest. You know, there's nothing that uh, uh, brings a little attention than throwing up a little mag loop in the back of the room with a, with a little tiny transmitter and start working stations with some headsets on everybody looks at you like what the heck is that guy doing uh you know be the guy that stands out be the gal that stands out uh you know and uh trust me you can you can change the dynamics pretty quickly by showing a little bit more interest than just showing up for going over yes you know old business new business and uh uh, give me the Aries report and, uh, <laughs> you know, that stuff does get old and boring, <laughs> but enough of that. Let's get on to getting smarter. And I don't know how to do that, but, uh, there, <laughs> there are some resources here that I think are, are excellent for getting smarter. Uh, and the first one we're gonna talk about is the old school kind publications. Uh, even though you put some ham radio blogs and podcasts in here, <laughs> I'm talking real hardcore, you know, there's a binding on it and it actually has some weight to it. Uh, I'm sitting here looking down at my copy of the AWRL handbook. Actually, it's my son's copy. My copy is from 1985. His copy is from 2014. And that book is uh, is probably uh, the greatest resource <laughs> when I was first starting as a ham radio operator, uh, being able to find uh, a little bit of everything, you know, things about transmitters, making transmitters, fixing transmitters, understanding how antennas work, basic antenna design. Uh, you know, there's just a wealth of information in that book. Um and, you know, there's there's a ton of them out there. So you don't have to buy the brand new one. Although I see that this year's is like a six volume set, which looks really cool. <laughs> so I don't know. I might be upgrading my 85 version to uh, to the 2019 version, but we'll see. <laughs> the other book I'd highly recommend if you're into books, which I, I am because you can, you know, take them out there on, you know, while you're building something in there, the battery won't go dead and you won't have to worry about the screen reflection. Uh, the antenna book. Yeah, if you're going to buy two books ever for ham radio, buy the handbook and buy the antenna book. The antenna book has just a complete deep dive into antenna theory and design, more information than you'd ever want to know. Um, you know, I, I built my first few uh, VHF quads using it, um, you know, understanding how matching networks work, understanding how to make your antenna so you don't necessarily need a matching network. You only need a choke. <laughs> You know, stuff like that is pretty, uh, pretty important, especially if you're trying to make at the time I was working on doing like rover antennas and stuff like that. And I wanted stuff that was, uh, you know, specifically designed for the most gain and the smallest package. 
and it's just a wealth of information in those publications. Um, and they're great. You can carry them around. You can put them up on the bookshelf and just stare at them. They're pretty, whatever. And what did you want to cover in our publications? Um, are, are you saying you can't use the ebook version of the antenna book and the handbook? <laughs> is, is that like you, not you acceptable? Can. You can. Um, I'm, I'm just, you know, I like, I like paper. I'm a paper guy. <laughs> well, if you have an actual e-reader, the kind that uses e-ink. Oh yeah. You know, then you don't necessarily have to worry about those battery problems that you have with like tablets and stuff, because those will go for days and days and days and days. But I mean, there's certainly something to be said for an actual bound book for sure. So, and we have a $50 AWRL, uh, gift certificate we might have to buy those two books well i don't think we can buy both of them for 50 bucks but (laughs) (laughs) you definitely get one of them yeah uh like you know like both of mine are fairly old so um well except for i guess my sons i got he got the centennial copy i bought him the centennial copy when he got licensed because they put your you know your call sign and stuff like that on the on the cover so it was kind of like a gift type thing it's the only reason why i bought a new one i mean i've had mine my other one since you know uh when i started in the hobby so I don't think they ever go out of date, although I, I do have some from like the 40s and 50s. <laughs> I don't necessarily use those as resources. They're really just collector's items because they're in such good shape. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a, a resource, a good resource to have. And uh, well, the, uh, the information that's in a 40s or 50s book is probably fine. It just doesn't include all of the things that have been learned since then. So, you know, for, for what they contain, well, I'm sure they're great. Yeah, like your FET transistors and stuff like that, probably a little little less of those kind of designs, more of the tube architecture and spark uh, architecture and stuff like that in those older ones. And uh, if you if you don't really support the AWRL and QST magazine or QEX magazine, which is their really good magazine, <laughs> uh, you'd be surprised how many uh, of these magazines you can get for free by showing up to your local club. <laughs> a lot of guys will just bring in their copies from previous months uh and set them in the back of the room and expect other people to pick them up so you don't necessarily like the awrl but you want to kind of check out the qst or you're lucky enough somebody will give up their qex uh doubtful though (laughs) uh you can find them and they they do have some good information in them as well uh most of the review stuff if you're into product reviews and stuff like that you, you can download that for free i believe they do make that available out there uh, uh, for the vendors to uh, link to and stuff like that. But uh, if you want some of the other articles and submissions, uh, you normally can find them. Most most bigger clubs that have their own location where they don't mind you leaving your magazines behind, you can definitely find those older magazines and uh, check those out as well. To jump back to the chat room for a second in clubs, uh, KF5TQN says, yeah, aside from a few teeny boppers, I'm one of the youngest ones in this club. Uh, the ones in their 30s are busy with work and life and other things, but a surprising number are turning out for Aries. And uh, Aries is pretty popular around here, too. So if you want to get involved, that's one way to yeah, get I think, involved. Yeah, I think anywhere where you have significant weather events, <laughs> the Aries group is probably the more uh, more interesting group, or at least the more active group, at least physically active, because they are uh, you know constantly being activated from the weather service and you get to do cool things with the weather service too. You, you get to do the Skywarn appreciation days in December, which are coming up in a couple months here or yeah. Yeah. A couple months now. So uh, yeah. Uh, lots of stuff you can do with Aries. Yeah. As far as weather related events goes, that covers all of uh, the world except for San Diego, California when nothing ever happens. So. 
<laughs> it's oh my god it's not sunny today what the heck <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't don't get involved in areas in southern california it's just not worth it um the only other resource i had listed in here for publications is a million other ham radio blogs that are out there on the interwebs and of course podcasts which are not publications necessarily not in the print publication space but you know, there's a million things you can learn, a billion things, a hundred billion things you can learn from all the other people who put information out there. And um, we'll touch on a few of these as we kind of go down through the, the rest of this list, but I'm not going to you know, Google for them. They're out there. Oh, and yeah. Linux in the Ham Shack. That's a good resource, too. Yeah. You're, if you're already here, you're you're at the best source of all information. <laughs> <laughs> the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the Internet. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, let's go on and talk about some of those sites. Uh, we have some reference sites that will help make you a bit smarter as well. Um, one quick one I just threw in here was uh, Rig Reference. Uh, it's kind of an interesting, uh, quick resource of finding uh, information on older rigs and some, you know, newer rigs and stuff like that. Some of the really, really old rigs sometimes are a little few and far between on availability there. But uh, at least we'll have some information on, uh, you know, like what what bands it supported did it support cat control and stuff like that uh so that's that's a good website uh the wa7 bnm contest calendar uh i use this all the time for finding out uh contests that are just random so they're not specific to the awrl but they're could be the cq worldwide contest can be the oceana contest could be worked all europe contest you know it has just about everything it has a a rolling calendar. It'll show you what's coming up this week, next week. You can look at a 12 month, uh, calendar and, uh, yeah. So you, you can look at anything, uh, related to contesting on there. So that's a really good resource. It has links to all the rules and a breakout of, uh, some of the basic rules for the contest and stuff like that. And, uh, let's see, uh, riddycontesting.com. Uh, Bill Barnes, N3JIX, uh, submitted this to me from Twitter before he popped on, uh, popped on Discord with us for a little bit earlier. And uh, that's readycontesting.com is a great place to find uh, downloads for doing ready contesting specifically. Uh, there's uh, a lot of information there on contests uh, in general and how to how to set up your tool set. Uh, more so in Windows, it's not necessarily a Linux site. Uh, they do have some Linux information on there, but uh, in, in general, it kind of gives you the overall feel for what other contesters are using, including top tier contesters, the people that are constantly coming in, you know, in the top ten in uh, each uh, category what what are they using what's what's making them successful doing pretty contesting and uh, so on and so forth and you put on a site here as well i did since we were talking about reference material there is a great clearinghouse for lots of information about electronics home brewing rig modifications um rig manuals electronics information uh pictures schematics and all that kind of thing and it's mods.dk and I'll appeal to the chat room if anybody knows of another site that's as good as this one. Um, some of the information in mods.dk, if I remember correctly, is not free. They want you to subscribe for some nominal amount of money so you can get to some of the, the deeper information. Um, but if you're looking for information on any kind of electronics, particularly mods, building antennas, schematics, circuit design, you know, making your cape, your, uh, your mobile rig, uh, Mars and CAP, uh, compatible and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's all at mods.dk. It's been around for a long time. So if, uh, if anybody else has a similar resource, feel free to shout it out there, but it's, it's one of the best around as far as I'm aware for that kind of information. 
yeah, for a specific collection of just mods. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, just remember if you ever do mods to your rig, check several resources for <laughs> for that. Uh, you know, when you start prying open your rig and starting cutting diodes and desoldering uh, uh, points and stuff like that, uh, you definitely want to take a few uh, take a few resources and compare the notes and make sure they're exactly the same. And uh, look for people that have left reviews on those. And I think Mods DK actually has a review system as well there, and that does help to uh, kind of weed out some of the junk stuff that uh, could possibly get propagated into those type of aggregation networks. Yeah, absolutely. And I have used mods.dk for three or four of my rigs, and the information in there does seem to be pretty well vetted, and I've never had a problem using any of the procedures that they've outlined. But yes, cross-referencing and verification is always good, no matter what you're doing, especially if you've got a $2,000 rig that you might burn up by, you know, scratching off a diode. <laughs> so, yeah, always good to check. Absolutely. And this is from the chat room. We uh, have this one. I forgot all about ac6v.com. Uh, this is from KB0OWD Dave in the in the Discord room there. Uh, this is a good resource of just general information, handbooks. You can find swapping sites, links to other sites and stuff like that. I know I've hit this site a few times looking for random stuff. Uh, so, yeah, check that out, ac6v.com. And anything else from our chat room? Looks like... Uh, People are going to bed. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. We're boring. <laughs> yes, yes. That's what happens when we deep dive sometimes. <clears throat> so uh, let's move on to news sites. And uh, this is a lot of the places that we find information from uh, for our news uh, bits that we do on our short program. We got, uh, of course, a favorite Southgate ARC. Uh, a lot of information comes propagated through that uh, that particular engine or website. Uh, Eham and QRZ. Some of the stuff is good. Some of the stuff is uh, a bit trollish, I put in here, but <laughs> it is user-submitted content, so it's not necessarily, a, I wouldn't say it's 100% curated, but uh, they do have some level of moderation on what shows up on the front page and what uh, gets considered a news page item. Um, but yeah, always I always try to find the source from the notes and make sure there isn't anything kind of misleading in that, but uh, definitely a place that you can find stuff. Uh, Reddit, of course, the only place that anything is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There are two subreddits for amateur radio. One's amateur radio and the other one's ham radio. The more active one is amateur radio. They also have an IRC channel over on geekshed.net uh, of uh, Reddit net. So check that out. Very, very active IRC room. If you're, if you're always connected via IRC and you want to see a lot of traffic uh, talking just about amateur radio and electronics go over there sometimes they talk about other random stuff too but that's pretty uh pretty pretty general stuff there um and of course dan kb6nu's blog he's a very active blogger and uh always uh always getting out there and getting his 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 thoughts and ideas out there and i think he even has a podcast now so uh his blog has a has a good information and good thoughtful articles on uh, you know, interesting topics and current topics in amateur radio. He's talked a lot about the AWRL and and the issues uh, over the past couple of years with uh, with uh, that that drama going on over there, as well as other various articles of uh, good information. Yeah, it tends to be sort of widely varied information, but it's it's like curated. It's like it's like going through all the news and getting a curated version of interesting things his his blog always has some interesting stuff in it even if it's not particularly relevant to your situation or whatever it's always a good read yeah 
So let's talk about podcasts. Uh, of podcasts. Course we know something about podcasts. Yeah, there's there's only one podcast you should listen to, but if if you happen to want to listen to others, <laughs> I, we don't know why you would, but if if that were to be the case, and and I would say, I mean, we'd we'd want to mention every amateur radio podcast out there because I think it's great. All the more content, the better. Um, I was I was looking at more specific items like uh, you know what kind of information are they giving out? Are they giving out useful information that helps me when I'm, I'm listening to them? Cause I do listen to every single one of them, believe it or not. <laughs> um, one of my favorites is the ARRLs, the, the doctor is in this follows the same series that's in the magazine QST. And they kind of go over like hints and kinks of, uh, you know, operator stuff, stuff you're going to run into in the ham shack, uh, you know, grounding situations and stuff like that. It's rather short. So it's quick. It's a kind of a small, you know, small dosage, much like the column is in the magazine. Um, it's quick and concise. They give quick answers, uh, and, and they're quite entertaining to listen to. So, uh, so I recommend that one. Uh, if you want just general news, AR Newsline, of course, they have a great guy that does the radio scouting bit. I don't know who that is, but uh, he's pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> of course, we have uh, uh, our buddies over at the Workbench Podcast. Uh, if you really want detailed, you know, important, <laughs> detailed, 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 detailed stuff, they have some great series over there, especially on digital radios. I think they went over DMR and stuff like that in, in excessive detail, and uh, it does require multiple listening time <laughs> to go back and really consume all the information that they can give out in one of their podcasts. So uh, uh, definitely uh, check out their back catalog. And I, I think they're still current. I don't. I don't listen to them currently because I. I don't have the time <laughs> in my round in my schedule to pick them up all the time. But I'll probably go back and add them to my list uh, since I, I put them in this list to mention them. Uh, of course, the the one out of Australia, Foundations of Amateur Radio, quick, short bits, does a very specific topic every time. Uh, he's great. Is I forget his call sign, but uh, really good short concise in and out uh yeah if you subscribe to it you're going to get uh you know a five minute podcast <laughs> very good uh and then of course uh bill barnes uh n3gix also recommended the icq podcast and of course on their website they have you know a trigger alert of the fortnightly podcast so <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to had to add them to the list i do listen to the icq podcast they have a really good format they have kind of a a single topic, and then they do like a round table. And actually, Dan occasionally appears on that as well, KB6NU. So he's kind of like splattered all throughout this tonight. We should just have him on and do this list, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> then we wouldn't have had to do it. Um, in the chat room, HRN has been suggested. Oh, yeah, Ham Radio Now, yeah. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of other ones. I, there was one I put in the list, and then I took out. Because, oh, you put solder smoke in the list. Yeah, and I took it out because I think they're or he, I should say, uh, may be done, because I think the last episode was recorded in January. No. No, there was one that actually <laughs> I was looking at, too. They just posted one yesterday. <laughs> Is that the first one since January? No, no, they had one in August as well. They took a break uh, in May. I think their website is not up to date with the blog site. If you go to the blog site, it actually has all the current episodes. Um, but I know in the RSS feed, they had a, a slight break after May, uh, they took like a couple months off. They came back, did an episode in August, and then, then I just saw that they just had an episode come out yesterday. 
I haven't listened to that one yet, but I'm sure it'll pop into my my feed reader now that I saw it was out there. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty good that's a pretty good podcast as well. Again, uh, they're kind of entertaining, and that's pri- primarily why I listen to them. Some of the stuff they talk about is a little bit over my head electronics wise, but they get into a lot of the kit building. I think they did a series on the UBIDX. You know, much like everybody's been done done a series on the UBIDX uh, transceiver from uh, the HF Signals Group out of India. There, um, so. Yeah, check it out. It, it is quite entertaining. I will say that I stopped listening to Solder Spoke, and I want to. I want to. You know, full disclosure here. This is an issue with me, not with Solder Smoke personally. But um, and I'm going to phrase this as nicely as I can. I I found the 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 personality behind Solder Smoke um, a little abrasive. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it just seemed like he's a very intelligent guy who knows a lot of things and thinks he knows way more than you do. And that kind of comes out in the things he does. Now, it doesn't mean that's not true or that he isn't providing great information because Solder Smoke contains a lot of great information. But I, I had a I had a personality conflict with, with the author of the show. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> but, you know, that that's neither here nor there. I'm sure there are a lot of people who have personality conflicts with me, too. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I still have to show up every Monday. Jeez. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with anything, your mileage may vary. You know, there's a, everybody doesn't like everything. You know, I, I try to listen to as much as possible because well, I work from home and I need noise when I'm working and music kind of gets old after a while <laughs> yeah i'm all caught up on the soundcloud and gemendos like i can't find any more new content so and uh, i'm not gonna do brand new uh, artists because normally it's really bad teenagers rapping it's it's bad <laughs> 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 so i listen to a lot of podcasts <laughs> a lot um okay that's enough about podcasts you know you know just come to us we'll give you the rest of the information it's good and our website um, does have a link to several good podcasts and blogs so yeah there you go. yeah Absolutely. All right. So yeah, let's right. move on from that. Let's talk about gear. Let's talk about getting your hands dirty and getting some gear in your shack. Absolutely. Well, oh, you want me to? <laughs> well, you, you can take the first one. You can take the biggies and I'll move on. To the oh, next okay. One. Uh, I'll do the biggies. So like your big vendors, these are your big box stores. These are your Costco's and everything else. We have, of course, ham radio outlet. Uh, the guys that used to send you those catalogs and, you know, as soon as you got your ham license, you got the catalog in the mail. I, I don't know. They probably still do that. <laughs> um, DX engineering, uh, I believe that, that's K3LR's, uh, uh, company, you know, good company. They're in Ohio. They're, uh, you know, they make quality parts. Uh, if you're looking for some aluminum to do some custom antenna work, uh, great resource, good Good shipping. I had, you know, options. I do same day shipping. Uh, real, real generous on that. Um, uh, gigaparts. Uh, I've, I've, I think I've ordered a couple things from gigaparts. Nothing big. Um, uh, but they, uh, they run that, uh, they have that sweepstakes that, that's always running. They're giving away a rig. They give away like, I don't know, two or three rigs a year. Uh, so it kind of drives people to their website to, to check that out. So, uh, but they sell, uh, computer parts. They, I remember, I think I, Maybe I bought a Raspberry Pi for somebody there uh, once because I noticed they were selling Raspberry Pis there as well. Um, you can find, yeah, all kinds of stuff, you know, from Gigaparts. So, yeah, th- those are all really good resources. You really can't go wrong if you're looking for, you know, a specific vendor part like an ICOM rig, you know, a uh, Cushcraft antenna, <coughs> um, you name it, you know, something with a brand name on it. They're probably going to have it. DX Engineering buys a lot of these smaller brands. Uh 
companies like uh, they bought Transworld antennas just recently. Those are the guys that made the uh, the vertical dipoles, little H frame folding vertical dipoles, and they manufacture that now themselves. Um, they're big into doing that and trying to make uh, products that are out there maybe a little bit better and a little bit more accessible. Um, so yeah, it's kind of kind of interesting. I've I've bought you know several things from all these places at one point or another. So uh, you, you know they're they're good to deal with. I've never had a real bad experience with them. And uh, yeah, that's that's really all I can say. I even bought the used gear from HRO, you know, off their used list. So <laughs> and I've had good good luck with that as well. All right, cool. So we'll move on to some of the um, less universal vendors, I guess. Um, these are the kind of folks that are regional, more or less, and they show up at a lot of ham fests and things like that. And you can find them. Um, the ones that I put on this list, uh, I chose because they have a really good ham fest presence. They're fairly ubiquitous, and they have good like online ordering presence. Uh, so even if you're not in their particular region, you can get parts or rigs or whatever from them. Uh, the first one I put in was Radio Oddity. This is one we've talked about <clears throat> one or two times, and it's a clearinghouse for all the Chinese junk. <laughs> um, but if it's a Baofeng or a TVT or TYT or you know whatever all the the other uh, Chinese radios are that, that come in and infiltrate the u.s ham radio market you can get it at radio oddity and usually for you know next to nothing like like they should be when you're buying something that's that cheap <laughs> um there's also uh r and l electronics uh they're out of hamilton ohio they show up in hamvention every year they have a huge uh presence at uh hamvention they they sell everything they sell everything from the cheap Baofengs all the way up to the you know multi thousand dollar Kenwoods and Icoms and yeah. so if you want if you want a rig or a part or an antenna or a microphone or you know anything to get you on the air basically R and L is going to have it. Uh, there's also the main trading company which is out of uh, some somewhere in Texas. I think this was just mentioned in the chat room as well. Um, yeah, they they're they're kind of like R and L. They they sell a little bit of everything. Uh, good online presence and all that, so so you can get pretty much whatever you're looking for. Uh, WB0W. Uh, well, I, did, I want to make a real quick comment on Main Trading Company. Okay. They also have a good presence on eBay. So they have a lot of their gear available on eBay, including a lot of used gear that they can sign or maybe take on trade or something like that. Uh, so they have an account on eBay that you probably want to follow if you're an eBayer. <laughs> um, so that you could you could trust buying used gear from them. Also, I hear that if you call them and like with if you're looking at a rig online, if you call them, you possibly could get a better price than what they could advertise online because they are limited to what they can advertise online their prices for. So every once in a while, if you call them, you might be able to get a little bit better deal. So uh, take take that in mind that that that's a, an available option if you if you deal with MTC. I've heard they're really good about that. And they're really good to deal with, and they they sell all the the big rigs as well, Icom, Kenwood, and so on and so forth. Yeah, those are the guys that were set up just around the corner from us at Hamvention for the past couple of years. That were was recommended to us by uh, K4 CDN, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they normally bring a truck. That's their thing. They normally work out of the truck. Yeah, yeah, they've got a truck, and then they've got like a tent behind the truck, and they work everything yeah, out of there. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, good guys. Yep, very good guys. Uh, here in Missouri, up in Jefferson City, there's WB0W. They're like at every ham fest in the universe, too. Um, I 
I'm not sure how good their web presence is, but I know if you want to buy something at a ham fest, you can find WB0W there. And they have everything from, you know, the Comet and Diamond antennas to rigs and microphones and everything. They're kind of like an RNL electronics, uh, kind of a clearinghouse for the things you need. Um, and maybe even things you didn't realize you needed. Uh, and then there's also KJI Electronics, which is along the same lines, a smaller venue, and they're out on the East Coast somewhere, I think, New York, New Jersey, some somewhere in there. I don't, I don't remember exactly. Um, but all of those are, are kind of, they're not the big guys, you know, they're, they're not HRO, but they're all a great resource. And they're obviously going to have things that HRO is not going to have, because um, HRO specializes in, you know, having uh, the, the big name stuff. And all you know, and, and the expensive stuff and things like that. But if you're looking for, you know, an SO239 connector, you know, HRO is not really the place to go for that. Some of these other places are a better resource. And of course, eBay. Yeah. eBay has everything. And a lot of these, eBay has everything. Yeah, a lot of these places <laughs> are on eBay too. So you can <clears> shop <throat> like MTC and all those. You can shop these vendors on eBay. So uh, why don't you hit the other yeah. ones you've got in this list? Yeah, a couple other ones that I put in there, and you can tell I put in there because they're mostly QRP stuff. <laughs> LNR Precision. A uh, great small vendor. They've had uh, a lot of different QRP rigs. They're the ones that have that uh, Steve Weber uh, mountain topper rig, the MT uh, MT series, MT3, MT4, MT5. Uh, those are great, great, great little rigs. Uh, <clears throat> the QRP Labs has uh, great stuff uh, there and available for QRP kits and various bits and parts. Uh, QRP Guys is another one. Uh, I think they're fairly recent into uh, the QRP area, but a uh, lot of stuff on their website, lots of stuff available, uh, lots of good things from them. Uh, HF Signals, of course, is where the UBIT-X is coming from. You can get that shipped. You know, an HF radio that you kind of build, and apparently not too not too hard. I think Tom even built one W5KUB, so it's got to be easy, right? <laughs> no, it's a really, really, really easy, uh, easier kit to build and put together, and a lot of, lot of, lot of buzz about that rig for like one hundred and thirty nine dollars. You can have it uh, shipped within one week uh, to your house from India, and uh, there's a huge group of uh, people, uh, mods, and and putting cases together. You know, doing. Uh, 3D printing of cases and sharing files on uh, different ways of mounting this radio and doing stuff interesting with this radio. Um, yeah, I don't think it's going to stop. A lot of, a lot of good, good traction on that, that particular rig. So check that out. And the uh, four state QRP group. I actually bought a, uh, bought a kit for, oh, what did I buy? I bought a, uh, a CW filter kit for an AF filter kit for, uh, for doing a 400 hertz filter. Um, so, oh, excuse me. They have a lot of little little bits and pieces, uh, various uh, little uh, components and uh, kits that you can build and uh, can be useful for various things in your shack. And I see you added one. I did. This game is a suggestion out of the chat room from uh, Dave KB0WD. He mentioned Associated Radio, which is also here in the Missouri area. It's up in Kansas City, uh, technically Overland Park, Kansas, but might as well be here. Um, <laughs> and it's a lot like uh, RNL and WB0W and everything. They have big rigs, little rigs, parts, and everything. And one thing I did notice on their site is they have used gear. I don't know if it's trade ins or consignments or a combination of the two. Um, but they do have used equipment that you can buy there. Uh, you can buy it online and in the store. And I don't know about the other sites whether they also do used or consignment equipment and stuff like that. But that may be something that folks are interested in if they want to get 
maybe a more expensive rig at a little bit lower price because it's uh, gently used from a smoke-free home, you know, or whatever. Um, so you can check out Associated Radio, AssociatedRadio.com for, for that. Cool. All right. I so. was just mentioning in the chat room that I uh, we were talking about AES in the chat room. Yeah. <laughs> when uh, when AES was around, I lived in Florida, and they had a <laughs> they had one in Orlando. So in order for me to order from AES, they would charge me sales tax. <laughs> so I'd never order from them. <laughs> well, for some reason, AES was always like a slightly better deal for me. Whatever I was looking for, they were always a little bit better than HRO. Whether it was yeah. a free shipping thing or the rig was $20 less or, you know, whatever the deal was, but AES just was always a better deal. And now since they're gone, um, you know, you kind of got to go to HRO. Yeah. Yep. All right. So let's, uh, let's move on to not just gear. Let's, let's look at the bits and pieces that you can use to build gear or fix your gear. Before and you do that, Dave have... says that MTC oh. also has used gear. So confirmation about yes. that. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You can find that on their eBay channel. That's a great place to find it. <clears throat> so, yeah, let's talk about electronics parts and pieces. Uh, I just listed some of my favorite places to go. Adafruit, of course. Uh, great place for uh, kits and parts. Uh, maybe not specific parts. If you're looking for specific parts, that's more of a mouser type thing. Um, another a good place for just random electronics kits and fun little toy stuff is SparkFun. Um, you can definitely find lots of interesting things between... Uh, those two sites, SparkFun and Adafruit. And I see you added a couple here as well. I did. I found a couple. Um, there's one. The first one in this list is DigiKey, and it looks like they've got a little bit of everything. So if you're looking for components of any kind, I think you can find it at DigiKey. So uh, that's a good one. And I know back in the day when I was ordering things for like... Uh, single board computers raspberry pies things like that little parts components uh hats uh cables things like that that element 14 was a great resource i don't actually know that element 14 is around anymore um i looked for it and there's like a blog site there or a, or a wiki site um but i don't know if the part where you can actually order things is there anymore and there was another site that, that went along with element 14 when like the raspberry Pi first came out there was there was like two sites they sold it through um, one was element 14 and I can't remember what the other one was. <clears throat> I think you're looking for Newark, newark.com. That's uh, element 14's, uh, uh, parts and components site. Okay. Well, so it's transitioned, I guess. So was it yeah. N-U-A-R-C? Yeah. N-E-W-A-R-K. Oh. So just like Newark airport. Oh, like Newark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Newark. Oh yes. Newark element 14. Yes, there it is. Okay, cool. Yeah. It used to be just called element 14. Now it's Newark element 14. Yeah, yeah. I think they used to be separate at one point. So I, th- I think you're not really confused. I think I think they used to be two separate <laughs> entities because I know when I ordered my Odroid, it was like one of those things you could <clears throat> get it from one or the other at the time. Okay, well, fantastic. That's that may be what happened. Those might be the two sites I'm thinking of that have now become one, sort of like HRO and AES are now one. Um, so yeah, uh, very good. But anyway, if you're looking for electronic gear of any kind, components, testers tools, you know, whatever it is you're looking for, uh, element 14 or now newark.com, <laughs> uh, can be one of those places you can go. DigiKey as well. Uh, yeah. And as, as Dave was mentioning in the, in the chat room, uh, Lady Ada, the owner of Adafruit, of course, is a ham. Oh, very cool. Cool. That's, uh, and, next- and they also do, 
they do a lot of uh, <clears throat> YouTube casts on their new gear that they have coming in. Uh, yeah, Jerry Ellsworth is as well. Yeah, um, they have a they do a, uh, a live cast of uh, like uh, engineering talk uh, about talking about how they built certain components and how they had it manufactured and stuff like that. So a lot of a lot of interesting resources from uh, Adafruit available uh, both on their website and on the YouTube channel. Sweet. All right. So you're also talking about getting parts for ham radio and you have you have one entry down here. So how is this different from what we were just talking about? Specifically ham radio related as opposed to just general electronics? <laughs> well, you know, I guess that would uh we should probably slide them up to the to the top with the bigger vendors. Uh MFJ is listed here just because anytime I need something very random, I <laughs> I kind of I kind of go over towards MFJ cuz they have a lot of random stuff. Um, you know, they bought a lot of these, uh, uh, smaller vendors and stuff like that. Like they own a Maritron, Cushcraft, uh, then they buy Viking as well at some point. I can't remember. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> they own, a, they own a lot of, uh, of, uh, of kit builders, parts and stuff like that. Um, but they, they sell most like all their products that they sell, they sell parts for. So it's a good place for parts. I would put them like right in the same place with, uh, um, like DX engineering for like antenna parts and stuff like that. Although I think DX engineering's parts are a little bit better, but um, with MFJ, you can find some mighty fine, good deals. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, MFJ, you know, people make fun of it, but uh, you know, if, if I find a ham shack without an MFJ part in it, it's not a ham shack. <laughs> well, they have such a varied array of things. I mean, they have like tools for everything you want to do. They have everything from, yeah. you know, TS, TNCs to integrators to sound pressure level meters to cross needle, you know, SWR meters to, you know, whatever Simple you can stop, like grounding straps and stuff like yeah. that. I mean, they have just random stuff. I mean, every ham shack that I have been in, no matter how expensive and fancy or how cheap and frugal, they all have a MFJ part somewhere in it. I think so. <laughs> I think they found, I think I was looking for it. Like it, it's like if you have ninety nine percent of your ham shack done, but you have to do one thing and you're missing one piece to make it all fit together. Whatever that piece is, MFJ has it. And, Absolutely. And uh, <laughs> like I was looking for. I think I had like everything done in my my old house a few years ago. And then one thing I wanted was like a window pass through for an antenna wire yeah. and who else you got to go to MFJ. Yeah, mfj was the place <laughs> they, they had one so you know yeah so so that one piece you're missing whatever it is just go to mfj they got it yeah yeah most likely <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah so that's our our big list um i i'm sure there's a ton more information out there we kind of just wanted to go over a little bit about what we enjoy looking at and, and finding and, and using the information from and uh, share that with you. Uh, a lot of people have asked us to, uh, you know, asked us this over the years. We've had news stories about these various items and stuff like that. Um, you know, we're not sponsored by anybody. Nope. <laughs> this is all just this is all just our opinions on what what works, what doesn't work, and you know what vendors are. You know, I've had experience with. I, I think I've bought from everybody on this list except for some of the some of the other ones that are in this smaller vendor list here. Um, although most of the QRP ones, except for, I think I haven't ordered from QRP guys and I haven't ordered the UBIT X yet. 
Uh, although I, I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> I don't need another HF rig. I have, well, I'm, I've given away one already, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Well, you technically haven't given it away. It, it comes back yeah. to you as soon as you ask for it. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I have, a, I have, I have rigs out on loan. I, uh, I'm like a library. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, there's just, this is a great hobby. There's, there's so much stuff out there and it's great that these small companies can make businesses out of it. And, uh, you know, it'd be great if we could make some money out of it too. So send us some money on Patreon. No, just kidding. <laughs> oh, that was smooth, Bill. That was smooth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> All right. I just thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> well, it's always nice. We do have a new Patreon, but we won't be mentioning them until the next episode because that's when we do that kind of thing. So. Oh, great. So at least one person had some forethought in, in my announcement there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They, they were prescient. Um, yes. All right. So let me see if I can get Cheryl in here to uh, help us out with the, the feedback. All right, well, I'll read the first one since it's my email. Well, before and... you start, I don't want to have to start cutting through all this. So let me uh, let me get her in here oh. and then we can <laughs> Okay. out in the room. Cheryl! <laughs> Cheryl, get your butt in here! I'm going to have to go find her. So sit tight for me. Yep, no problem. Any other comments from the chat room? Anybody still awake out there? <clears throat> Not an OPC 598 at MFJ. Is that that uh, Hearth, uh, let's see, uh, Perth antenna wannabe, right? Is that the knockoff antenna? I know it's kind of delayed. I should probably just type it. Outbacker. That's the Outbacker knockoff, right? <clears throat> nope. What is that? OPC 598. What the heck is that? Oh, that's a cable. Oh, interesting. <clears throat> That's kind of like uh, try to find the uh, try to find the uh, uh, remote cable for the uh, heads on the uh, IC seven hundred six and seven hundred threes. I have one here. <laughs> I have two rigs, <laughs> one cable. I'll probably hold on to the cable. It'll be worth like about a million dollars. The rigs won't be worth anything. <laughs> Jeez, a pizza. I'm so uh, congested. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> You could wire that yourself. There's really nothing fancy about that cable, especially with the uh, pinouts on the back. It makes it real easy. Oh, did you talk about something I have to leave in the show? No, 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 you could. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> talking to the chat room. Oh, no, that's fine. <laughs> if it's something useful, I'll put it in there. It just means I'm going to have to listen. No, nah, no, nah, we're just talking. <clears throat> I was, I was answering on the set of typing. Uh-huh. <laughs> Being lazy. Absolutely. Busy clearing my throat every five seconds. <clears throat> <laughs> hey, you know what to do? Pop, pop, pop. Oh, Ooh, hey. Yep. Doesn't work now. Kind of. <clears throat> well, I don't know what else to do. Freaked out the compressor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something's wrong with my mic. No, you're fine right now. Am I? Uh, just yeah. j- jiggle the cable a little bit and don't talk into the top, talk into the side. Let's see. Nothing is working. It's working. No, it's no, it's good. It's cutting out. No, yeah, I think it's is your headset's cutting out. Is it? Well, maybe. Yeah, it's it's good. Okay. Jiggle that cable. <laughs> jiggle that cable. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Do the wiggle jiggle. All right. So I guess we'll cut back in. All right. So all right. So that was a pretty good deep dive. Hopefully we didn't bore too many people with that information. I think it's a good clearinghouse worth of stuff. And if you got through to the end, you probably have one or two resources you didn't necessarily know about before. And Cheryl has joined us. She's uh, come back in from the, the world of doing things for fundraisers, and she's going to help us out with the feedback. Yes, you are. Oh, I had no clue I was doing that. <laughs> right, well, I'll me... do the first one while you get caught up. Okay. This, was a, this was an email to me from K8RWH Roy, also known as Bill, uh, via email. 
He says, uh, after much weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth, I'm almost there with uh, DJ5 QV's router software and Linux for the MicroHam routers. Thank you for your efforts. They were right on target. I emailed Matthias Moeller uh, for help over the rough spots, and his expertise has enabled me to come to the point of assigning virtual serial ports for my DigiKeyer 2 interface complete, completely with my 746 Pro. That's a uh, icon. <clears throat> then he uh, goes on to talk about his laptop, which is a Dell 6D610, and which he had XP on, and it's a 1.8 gigahertz uh, Pentium M. Ick. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> My other HDD uh, partition has a Linux Mint 18.1 Sarah on there, and he wanted uh, us to share a little ex- little expertise on uh, recommendations. Uh, so I kind of want to know, like, how, how fast is fast enough concerning having a greater than two gigahertz clock speed? And uh, I already sent back to him on this particular one. I, I was like, well, I'm, I'm responding to you on my Dell XPS 13, which just came out last year, and it has a 1.6 gigahertz processor in it. And it's plenty fast enough to do anything and everything. So I think, uh, I, I think as we get into low-powered devices, the clock speed is not necessarily as important unless you're going to be, like, you know, gaming with it. Clock um, speed is, is really never where it's been. That was the... That was the route chosen to increase speed at one point because we didn't have another method. But the yeah. real speed increases come from caching and parallelism. That's that's where speed comes from, not in clock speed. And as as caching and parallelism have come sort of forward in the speed gain market, you've noticed that processor clock speeds have started to drop off. So there yeah, you go. and and with lower power too, clock speeds are going to drop off. More cores will get you those 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 extra bits that you need to get things to run faster because there's more areas of contention available for uh, applications to launch up. Uh, he also asked, "Is the D10 is it is slow to boot? The D10 is uh, sorry, the D610 is slow to boot. What can I do?" I said, "Throw it away." <laughs> <laughs> uh, the D610 is old. It has a EIDI interface, and my my recommendation was, uh, you know, you really want to move into serial ATA uh, and SSD. You know, uh, uh, God, I just bought a couple of the 500 gig SSD, uh, Samsungs because they were like a hundred bucks a piece, <laughs> 500 gig SSDs. They're fast. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're so cheap. So next laptops I, I buy for junkers, I'm going to throw those in and, and keep that. But yeah, so that particular model can't be upgraded to an SSD. So getting any faster is just not going to happen with more memory or anything else. I told him it's time to look for like, a 220 and an X220 from Lenovo or something like that in the sub $200 range. If you want to replace it for less money and then get an SSD and then make that puppy scream and it'll run for three, four, five years. Uh, you know, maybe buy an aftermarket battery to prolong its life. But I said it's probably time <clears throat> to call it good because I mean, being a Pentium M architecture, it's, you know, it's going to be a dying breed here pretty quick. And his last thing he asked was about the three, he's running 3.x uh, FL Digi. And uh, he was asking whether he can get it working with his uh, new MHUXD router software, which he was talking about above, working with his FL Digi version. I told him, yeah, it should should work fine. Um, However, I mean, we're obviously into the 4.x series right now uh, in the main line for Ubuntu. uh, So there should be no reason why he couldn't run the newer version. And he asked whether there was any security issues with uh, that for the reason for it to upgrade. And I said, no, it's... You can look at the change log. I don't think anything was related to security. It was all just related for performance improvements, fixing the UI and stuff like that. So 
probably also an FL uh, TK uh, fast light toolkit upgrade and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, so it was good to hear from Roy. I, I, I've been talking with him a couple of times since uh, we had a good long conversation at Xenia at uh, Ham Hamvention. So uh, it's good to hear from him. I, I sent him back a reply already, but I wanted to include it here in the show because it was uh, pretty interesting, uh, pretty interesting stuff. All right. Very good. So since Cheryl is here now, she can uh, participate here and read the next comment. And then I will uh, try my best to answer the next comment. Okay. The next comment is a YouTube comment from Tom B. Says, I'm trying to find a list of supported radios for WSJTX. As I didn't see the Yaesu FTDX3000 in the list you're scro- uh, as you're scrolling. Browsing through the online resources for the software, I don't see one listed anywhere. Do you know if the FTDX3000 is in the list of supported rigs? I may just have to go dig up the .deb package for the newest version of the software and install it to see. All right, so to separate WSJTX from rig control, we have to mention that this is um, the rig control part of it is supported by HamLive, which is the backend rig control library for all of these applications, WSJTX, FLDG, and all the other ones. Um, so whatever rigs are supported by HamLive is what is supported by WSJTX. And I've actually done a list just now on my computer here of the Yezu rigs that are supported by HamLive, at least the version of HamLive that is on my computer, which is version 3.1. So I think that's pretty current in the HamLive world. And the FTDX3000 is not listed. However, the FTDX5000 is listed. Uh, It's listed as alpha. Uh, It's rig number 132. In Hamlib, so and you that is be, the recommended one, right? And so you should be, and that sounds like it, you know, would be the one you would need to choose if you're going to use a DX3000 under WSJTX or any other ham radio Linux application for that matter uh, that's supported by Hamlib. So, yep, yep, the FTDX5000 is the one specifically that will support the FTDX3000. So you should have no problems using that for the cat control. So there you go. Question answered. Fantastic. Uh, these next ones are, are going to be easy to handle so uh, and, and easy to read, so we'll just let Cheryl read them again. <laughs> oh, fine. Yeah, fine. So, well, you can answer them, too, if you want to. No, no, that's okay. Okay. I, I only know the answer of a couple, well, one of them. So Okay. Anyway, so the next one is comment on episode number 238 from Eric, KN4IIY. Says, is it me, or have all the links from this episode broken? Or maybe yours is broken? I assume that's a t- it, no, it's URLS. That's okay. actually an application. So. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. <clears throat> yes. Um, for, for anybody who hasn't figured it out so far, uh, when you go through the show notes for this show, um, I have set up my own URL shortener. And instead of using, you know, tiny URL or, or any of the other ones, uh, we have our own. So when you click on a link, it'll be ours. And that's so we can do some click tracking and see if people are actually using our resources that we provide. And, um, not that we ever check the statistics, but, you know, uh, if we ever decide to, we'll find out if any of this information is actually making out to, to anybody. Um, but there was a problem with that site, and I had to restart the web server on the URLS uh, application, and that fixed the problem. I also had to set up a secure socket layer for the administration and all that, so all that's been taken care of. So the links are no longer broken, and uh, I'll try and keep on top of making sure that that stays working. 
But if you're interested in having your own URL shortener, you can go to URLS, Y-O-U-R-L-S, and I think it's .org, or you can just search for URLS, uh, and you too can have your own URL shortener. Uh, that way you can get all the uh, statistical information uh, that might be relevant to you. So next we have, oh, and by the way, thanks to uh, Eric for sending in that bit of feedback, and sorry that it was broken there for a bit. Okay, the next message is a comment on episode number 249 from Gwen, NG3P. It says, I'm getting an account suspended page when I try to access your podcast. Something needs checking. Yes, it certainly did need checking, and it's because my hosting provider decided to not alert me to the fact that my payment method had expired or that they couldn't actually bill it, and so they just let the account expire rather than notifying me that there was a problem. So it took this email or this comment uh, for me to figure out that there was an issue. <laughs> so um, thanks to Gwen for, for pointing out the fact <laughs> that the, uh, the account had been suspended. Uh, I got it fixed immediately within uh, probably two hours of this, this message coming in, and everything should be working normally now. So I'm just going to have to keep a little bit tighter eye on the hosting provider, either that or take a different hosting different provider. Line, right. Um, so, so one of those two things might happen, but anyway, uh, the problem has been resolved. I was just looking at our uh, our uh, URL shortener, and I was, I was like, "What's the most clicked URL that we have shortened?" And the very first one is uh, that awesome self-hosted GitHub account. It's been clicked six thousand one hundred forty-four times. <laughs> very, <laughs> very popular, <laughs> very popular uh, link. The second, the second one is uh, is Hamvention, which is twenty five hundred clicks. So that'll give you an idea <laughs> of what, its popularity. What is the first one? Uh, the uh, awesome self hosted uh, uh, GitHub account, which uh, lists all the. Uh, it's like a curated list of free software, network services, and web applications which can be hosted locally. Oh, so, oh yes, I've I've actually clicked on that link a few times myself because I have a lot <laughs> of self-hosted stuff, like, for example, the URL shortener, which yeah, is a yeah, self-hosted open-source project. So, yeah. Um, yeah, fantastic. That's I'm glad that's a great resource. Yeah, so cool, cool stuff. All right, so thank you to everybody who sent us feedback. We certainly do appreciate it, and uh, we hope that you know, if you're listening to this and you have a piece of feedback or a comment or a suggestion that you go ahead and send it our way. The information is in the outro, but I have a feeling that a lot of people just kind of gloss over the outro. So you're going to hear info at lhspodcast.info. That's where you send any of your comments, suggestions, or, you know, critiques or whatever. And of course, you can also comment via social media and all, you know, Twitter and on Discord, and you can also comment on the website or YouTube or, or anywhere else. So just send us your feedback. We love to hear from you. And of course, if you send us feedback, we're going to read it on the air unless you, you know, tell us not to or whatever. But I don't know why you do that. We can, we can leave you anonymous, <laughs> but we want to read your feedback because it's, because it is important. So even the hate mail, even the hate mail. Yes. We even, we have gotten rid of our hate mail address. We used to have one. Bill, Bill used to manage that. The other Bill. Yes. Yeah. The other Bill used <laughs> to manage that. Bill. Yeah. So. All right. So anyway, I think we've come down to the end of the show. We'll run a quick check out to the chat room, see if anybody has any comments. There were several people listening to us uh, from the chat room. I didn't check to see how many folks were hitting the stream, uh, but we had in the chat room KF5TQN, N3JIX, WA0EIR, KC9ZMY, KB0OWD, and Cubicle Nate. 
And uh, so, does anybody have any uh, parting words you want to send our way before we uh, get on out of here? Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. There you have This being our Sester Centennial episode. <laughs> is that what 250 is? Sester Centennial? <laughs> That's the 250th anniversary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Okay, enough about that. <clears throat> so, <laughs> all right. So the chat room's gone quite quiet. I know a couple of people had to uh, check out and go to bed because they have uh, early things to do in the morning. But we appreciate everybody who comes out and listens to us live on Monday nights, and we appreciate everybody who downloads the podcast after the fact and and listens to us. And we hope to uh, hear from you soon. So with that, we're going to wrap up episode number two hundred and fifty, our Sester Septennial episode. <laughs> And uh, we'll be back next week with our short topics and our weekender. So thanks for listening. And I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the program by visiting the LHS Patreon page of patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or using the contribute link on the website. Get in touch via social media. The show has a presence on Google+, Facebook, Twitter, Discord and YouTube. Or you can drop an email to info at lhspodcast.info or record a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the IRC channel, LHS Podcast, on the Freenode IRC network. Also visit the online merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable LHS merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info or visit the website for details. The podcast is recorded live every Monday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Connect to the stream at stream.blacksparrowmedia.net colon 8008 stroke LHS live. Until next time, over and out.
Linux in the Ham Shack in the Linux in the Ham Shack logo are released under a Creative Commons attribute non-commercial no derivatives 4.0 international license.